Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. UX Cake is all about developing the layers you need to be more effective in your work and to be happy and fulfilled in your career. I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo, and I'm a UX leader and leadership coach. Hey, welcome to UX Cake. So the designer-developer relationship is very important to any team that's building digital products. It can also be a source of some problems when it comes to making really great products. There's communication issues. The Both teams have different processes. There can be a lack of understanding of what the other person does. And Sometimes there's a lack of understanding of the value that each brings to the design of a product, and that's both visual and how a product works. For my guest today, Abhishek Nayak, that relationship is really multi-layered because he is the co-founder and CEO of AppSmith, which is a product that is built for developers. It enables them to create custom and easy-to-use, key easy-to-use apps for internal business users. So for their company, the designer-developer relationship has actually been one of the drivers of the success of their product. I wanted to talk to Abhishek about how they have addressed some of the common issues that come up in the designer-developer relationship and how they have really set up both sides for success. We had a great conversation and it's full of really useful information and some really good ideas that I hope will spur you to improve your own designer developer relationships in your team and in your organization. Abhishek also shared with me AppSmith's design system and how they use it. And we've made that available for you as a bonus episode on the UX Cake YouTube channel. It's very visual. It's not really podcast material. So you can check that out on YouTube, the UX Cake YouTube channel, where you can also watch the video version of this conversation. Abhishek Nayak has been a co-founder and CEO of four startups, and that's actually how he learned the importance of design and research and creating really user-first products to develop successful products that your users actually want and they love to use. AppSmith is Abhishek's fourth startup and started as a small open source project that is now used by over 1,000 teams and employs people in eight countries and has raised over 10 million in capital. So very interesting. Let's jump into this conversation with Abhishek. Hi, Abhishek. Thank you so much for joining me on UX Cake today. Hi, nice to meet you, Lee. I'm really excited about our conversation today because this comes up all the time in design and in UX and in research as well, but designing with developers. And our conversation is going to be a little interesting because we're also going to talk about designing for developers. So, but let's start with a little bit about your company, AppSmith, right? 
because it's interesting in that it is like all of the designers out there who are working on digital products are designing. They need to keep developers in mind when they're designing. And it's often not even like, you know, top of mind at all, because we're talking about user first, right? And you talk about user first in the creation of your product and your users are also developers. So tell us a little bit about your product and the user of your product. Sounds good. So AppSmith is an open source project that's used by developers, primarily backend developers, to build all sorts of custom internal applications. These are customer support dashboards, marketing automation tools, or operational tools. And these are built by developers, but used by all sorts of different users inside a company. They could be in customer support, finance, marketing, wherever else they need a custom app. So our primary user is a developer. So we focus a lot on getting the developer experience right. But we also focus on enabling the developer to build well-designed products because AppSmith is used to build different sorts of web apps. And it's easy to create ugly web apps which don't work so well. So our product helps them build well-designed web apps without putting in too much effort. So we also think about how do we make design more accessible to somebody who doesn't have the time or patience to understand the fundamental principles of design. So a product needs to act like a designer. Right. Okay. So you've got like two layers there. The developer who's creating the AppSmith interface and then the end user who's not a developer who's using that interface to create an app basically for maybe a customer service person. Uh, so actually the developer is using AppSmith to build apps and the end user is simply using it. The end user isn't building apps, but they're consuming and actually using the apps that has been built by the developer. I see. Okay. And so you've got these developers who are not designers <laughs> building the app. Yeah. So, and I know we talked in our, you know, when we talked about this, you talked about how important it was to you to make sure that the user was, that the design was really top of mind. And you came to this understanding of how important design was. Do you want to tell me, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So at AppSmith, we follow like a product triad, which is you have a product manager, designer, and an engineer as collaborators on every single feature. And even among, we are three founders and between three of us, one of us looks at design, which is me. Then I have another co-founder who looks at product and another co-founder who looks at engineering. What this has meant is designers have a real seat at the table. They can start projects, which is initiate projects where they think the UX is lacking, or if they think of a cool new idea that they think is important to users. And I've worked at companies where generally design is in service to product. And what I've found is those products don't tend out tend to be so good because designers have a very different way of looking at the world where they they're really good at understanding what people need. And even if they're not expressed verbally, mm -hmm. uh, they're really good at understanding that and solving for those things and applying creativity so that you do it in a way that feels natural for the user, but also feels aesthetically pleasing. So I, so because I've worked at places where design was considered sort of like a second tier citizen in comparison to product or engineering, I've seen the negative effects that it's had on the product. And that's why when we were doing this startup, we had decided that even though none of us are designers, we knew that we had to have one of the founders 
lead the design and have a head of design reporting to them mm-hmm. uh, instead of having the head of design report to product. So that's something that has worked really well for AppSmith and it keeps design front and center. Design can be even more important at AppSmith. I wish we had more designers and I wish we were more design led, but I'm definitely happy with where we are today. Yeah, you mentioned to me actually what sounded like a pretty high designer to dev developer ratio. What was that? Uh, So it's at one is to five today. Yeah, which is higher than a lot of places. But tell me what you mean by you wish it was even more design-led. So I think the ideal ratio for designers to engineers is probably one is to two, one is to three, maybe. That's the ideal ratio because a lot of ideas and solutions can be explored in the design phase. And this is through user testing, through actual real prototypes and doing a lot of iterations. When you have a lower designer to engineer ratio, your iterations are a bit slower because you're always relying on an engineer to maybe iterate on like real code, which is always a lot slower. So if you just have a better designer to engineer ratio, then you can just run better iterations and therefore you can be sure about what's actually going out into production because you've tested it and you've tried all those ideas that you had in your mind about the solution. So it just increases the accuracy. It might feel like overkill, but in my experience, it's definitely not because I see a lot of companies push out an MVP, not having thought through design and the MVP might just take you a month to build, but then you spend the next six months learning that the customers don't like what's out there, trying to make small micro iterations on top of it and only to realize at the end of the six months that, you know, we should have started this from scratch. We should have gotten it right at the very start. There's always this idea that you should shoot first and aim later. While I believe when you're doing that with designers where they are doing the prototyping and you're rapidly testing it with users, the likelihood of you making mistakes when you go into production are a lot lower. And today's today's design tools are so flexible. You can get almost every single interaction that you want. And you can test every single thing that you want without code. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why I believe designer to engineer ratio. In my case, I would wish it was one is to two, but it's incredibly hard to hire good designers, (laughs) as you probably know, versus I think there are a lot more engineers in the world. So uh, so (laughs) that's interesting. That's like the opposite of so many places where, you know, they put so much focus on hiring developers, even though you're right, it is really hard to find good designers. I want to dig in a little bit to that relationship between the designer and the developer during that early phase, because in my experience, this is part of the problem that designers have in working with developers is when you're in design phase, the developers aren't there. Like they just aren't available because they're, you know, they're busy working on something else. So if you have more, yeah. So just tell me a little bit about, you know, how it's working with you. Yeah. So that's a real problem. And when we have new engineers join the team, they've not worked with designers this closely. The relationship has been a waterfall approach where designers prepare the files, they do a handoff, and then the engineers get involved. But here at AppSmith, designers and engineers are involved at the very start of a project. So our designers conduct workshops with our engineers, with the PM, to just figure out, you know, it could be figuring out the problem statements because designers and PMs, they work together on actually figuring out the scope of the feature itself. 
you know, co-writing the PRD. But designers also enable engineers to sketch out the solutions that they have in their mind. Because engineers are really bright. They have mm-hmm. ideas for how problems could be solved. They might not be thinking very carefully about what problem they're solving, but they're really sharp about how do you solve a particular problem because mm. they've done it so many times before. And they get frustrated with designers when they see the final files if they've not been involved at the start because mm-hmm. uh, the designers have not taken into account the ideas that the developers have in their mind. So here at AppSmith, we encourage developers and designers both to sketch in wireframe ideas very, very early on so that the designers have a mental dump of every single idea that everybody has. And when you sketch it out, the ideas has become a lot more tangible. You don't have something that happens in, I'm sure, at other companies where an engineer comes back to a designer and says, hey, you know what? I have a component which works slightly differently. Why don't we just use that? And the designer was never aware of it, that Mm -hmm. such a component existed and it might even be a better solution. Versus if you get the engineer to sketch it out, you can have a real dialogue about it, about why this solution is better than the other. And the most important thing that it does is it gets the engineer involved very early on. Even though the designer might be figuring out the exact details of a solution, but the engineer knows that their ideas and thoughts have been considered at the very start. And therefore, when there's a discussion of the final handoff, it's a lot easier because the engineer knows where the ideas originated from and why was this particular solution chosen over anything else? Yeah. I'm curious, I mean, having the engineers in the, you know, initial even concept workshop or, you know, a design sprint, having the actual developers involved in that has, in my experience, also been just fantastic. But tell me about any kind of resistance to that that might come up or maybe initially came up when you started doing this. I often see this resistance from engineering leaders sometimes because mm-hmm. you know they might be measuring their engineers on actual output of code right. and not on the basis of quality of the ideas or quality of the execution so i've often seen engineering managers often try to ensure that engineers are always working and coding and building something or the other and that's the resistance that i've felt i've not felt this resistance from engineers because Engineers love to talk about ideas and they also consider this to be work, which is figuring out what to build and how to build it. So I face some resistance from engineering managers and that's where I think we have a conversation about how getting it right is more important than just spending all your time coding Mm because that's not necessarily going to get it right. You don't want to spend two months building something only to realize you again need to dedicate three or four months, four more months after that to undo it or improve it. Why not just do all of those discussions very early on? And engineers have to be part of the PRD writing process and the designing process. Even if they might not be contributing every single day with ideas, they should be aware of what's going on and they should see the entire journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if they do that, the building process is a lot faster. And the engineers often have a good idea of how to create extendable features. Because they know that if we've done X, we probably might try Y in the future. Therefore, we should prep for it. We should have points of extension in the product. But if they're only involved at the very end, they just get to see the well-formed idea and the well-formed product, and they can't envision the future. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, so that partnership is really important. I wouldn't say it's easy to do because a lot of engineers have not worked this way. But I think once you try it out, you really love it. And you realize, I like to say design is way too important to be left to designers. Uh, and uh, it, it just means it's so critical for a company's success today that every single person needs to understand what's design, just the fundamentals of design. You don't need to understand everything about UX or aesthetics, but the basic fundamentals, I believe, are necessary for everybody to understand. Yeah. And I want to get to that because I love what you told me AppSmith is doing as far as setting a baseline of understanding of the fundamentals of UX. Before we get there, you were talking about the need for bringing the developers in and in these workshops and so forth and the resistance from engineering leaders. Part of that, I think, also is process. You know, that if the process isn't set up, let's say you have an agile process and you've got the sprints and you've got the stories and you've got everything lined up to work for measuring on velocity, kind of mm -hmm. like what you were talking about. Yeah. And so now you're talking about taking a few hours of this developer's time, possibly a half a day or, or more in a week. And what kind of change to the process did you have to set up in order to make that even possible? The process bit is something we are still figuring it out because I think in the early days when we were a smaller team, the process was non-existent. Everybody was mm -hmm. part of a lot of these discussions. Now, as we are beginning to measure velocity, we're trying to figure out a good way of measuring accuracy of our work, accuracy mm. and success of our work. Okay. That's more important than measuring the input because some of these inputs cannot be measured. Like somebody spending two hours learning a new concept so that they could think of a new solution. It's tough to measure that, you know, because you have no idea if it's all going to be useful. But if there's no space for that, you're simply not going to be able to create good solutions. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. I personally would love to move faster. But at the same time, I do understand that some of this work just requires so many iterations that it needs to take its own time in some cases. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a question of how do we move faster but improve quality? Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't have a great answer here. I'm still figuring it out. But what I do know is some of the like the greatest movies, they were sometimes over budget and they took way longer, but they were memorable movies. And mm -hmm. while movies which, you know, which might be under budget were produced in the exact time that they had planned for, they might be completely unmemorable and worthless for the world. So the question is, is it a good idea to take slightly longer because you're going to produce higher quality work? Or should you use deadlines and timelines? Because it's so easy to measure deadlines, right? Right. Uh, so we gravitate towards deadlines and we gravitate towards using that as a measure of somebody's output or productivity. I just wish there was a different way of measuring accuracy and measuring quality of work, but I haven't found a good answer yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that analogy of the films and it brings to mind the need for prioritization of impact, right? Like there are some things that you just need to get out the impact might not be huge, 
And so maybe it doesn't need to go over budget. Maybe, you know, that's not the that's not going to yeah. be your big, you know, blockbuster, but it's important and it needs to get done, you know, whereas there could be some other like larger features that are really going to impact kind of the user flow or yeah. what have you. And so that takes more time. And it also brings to mind systems, you know, design systems and design ops and research ops, which as a company grows and scales, which AppSmith is do, you know, in the process of really scaling up, you have 10 designers, which is more than enough for having a design system. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about how your design systems work between the designers and the developers. So we first started with a design system that our designers started using. And our first version of the product, even I would say most of today's product, was built without a clear design system. Mm. We only started introducing a very clear design system after our first launch went well. Then sure. we realized, okay, let's work harder on getting the design system out. What I didn't think we did a great job of is ensuring that the tokens used by designers and developers needed to be the same mm -hmm. uh, we didn't make them the same so that was mm -hmm. a now looking in hindsight that was a rookie mistake but essentially that meant developers use different tokens in code versus what designers use today and can you explain that a little bit more the tokens so what i mean by tokens are colors fonts font styles what it's called in code is different from what it's called in our design system that lives mm -hmm. in figma yeah. So in code, it might be called, you know, like gray ghost, while in design, it's called gray 10. Mm -hmm. uh, so because of that, our design system implementation, the first thing, first version of the design system implementation wasn't so successful. Yeah. Right now, we are in the process of revamping that. So now we have design system engineers and designers working together to create a great design system that lives in Figma, but also lives in code. And both of them are exactly the same in terms mm -hmm. of tokens. Previously, we didn't have design system focused engineers, but now we do have two design system focused engineers who work with one designer and they only work on the design system. Mm -hmm. uh, so they've just started working on it a few months ago. So we've not seen the results of it yet, but the initial results are promising. I think every engineer, every front-end engineer in the company is excited that they can reuse components very easily and that they don't have to think of the tokens themselves. Right. Uh, they can just rely on the designers and the designers and the design system engineers, they've agreed on a common language and they've agreed on how to translate designs into components and they have frequent discussions around it. So now it's definitely going smoother. Mm -hmm. And so that agreement on all of the naming and the components, th did that happen together then with a designer and a developer or with multiple designers and multiple developers? Yeah, so it happened with engineers and designers together. I wouldn't say we figured everything out yet, but we've definitely figured out quite a few things around the language and around the communication bits like naming and the states of the components, all of those things. Definitely like it happened in collaboration with engineers. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to get back real quickly to what you mentioned before, where everyone in the company, especially designers and developers, but the developers have, they all have kind of this baseline fundamental understanding of UX. So tell me a little bit more about how you do that at AppSmith. 
Yeah. So every year we've done a design course for our developers as well as our QA engineers. Not everybody has completed it. Half of the company has completed the course. And the course just goes over basic UX fundamentals so that you understand what a designer means when they say user testing, affordance, just the common language that designers use. It's accessible and understandable by engineers. The other thing that it does is show engineers how some things that they might have assumed to be simple actually need a little more thought. And you might need to do user testing in places where you might not have expected you need to do user testing. Mm. And you also understand why simply going and copying somebody else's interface is a terrible idea. And you should start with the problem statement first. So this is a design course which has been done by half our company. And we've done one course like this every year. Mm -hmm. And the course is basically titled UX Design for Non-Designers. So anybody who's interested in learning more about it participates in this and learns about that. And I think that has had a good impact because every engineer is aware of the design process and every engineer gives the due value and time that is required sometimes to do the design process. And they Mm -hmm. understand what's going on when we are just taking a little bit longer to do user testing. So that was really important for us. And I think it's helped us quite a bit. Yeah, I can imagine that it has. And it sounds like it's optionals, but What's the motivation, I guess, for designers to go through the course? You mean non-designers? Yes, sorry. Non-designers, developers (laughs) in particular, right? right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think the motivation is for you to be a great engineer, you do need to build a great product. And the only way you can build a great product is if you understand what does designing a product mean. And I guess it's a bit like if you're an architect, you do need to understand the materials you're dealing with as a civil engineer. And as a civil engineer, you do need to understand a little bit of architecture. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a bricklayer. You're not necessarily understanding how things are built. So it does make sense for people who are working closely with each other but have different roles to understand the fundamental principles and the fundamental thoughts behind why they do certain things. And it just makes life for everybody a lot easier. So at AppSmith, I believe the motivation is our engineers, they want to succeed and they know for us to succeed, our product has to be really well designed. And for a product to be really well designed, they also have to play a role in design. It can't be just the designers doing it. Yeah, that's great. I think one of the biggest issues that comes up between design and development often is communication. And it sounds like part of how you're addressing that is, well, a couple of ways, right? bringing developers in early, and then also giving developers an understanding of UX. What else happens? Like what else is clearly, I'm sure that it's not 100% perfect at AppSmith. So what are some of the issues that do still kind of come up on a regular basis? Yeah, I think the commonest issue sometimes that comes up is let's just do a quick and dirty solution for some things. Now, for some things, I think it's okay to have quick and dirty solutions, but in other areas, it costs us heavily because Mm -hmm. you do something that's quick and dirty, then you have to maintain it for a while because customers start using it. And then you can't ever go back and undo it because somebody is using it. Mm. And people, users, especially in the enterprise world, people rebel when a workflow that they're used to changes. Mm -hmm. So you have tech debt, but there's also design debt. And Mm. design debt is probably one of the biggest reasons why you have new startups who come in 
doing the exact same thing that a legacy player is doing, but everything is just a little bit faster, a little bit nicer. And I'm sure the team behind the legacy product also understands that their product is not well designed, but they are trapped by their own users and their own success. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in AppSmith's case, where our growth is happening very rapidly, we might fall prey to that exact same thing. If we just do things quick and dirty and do too many solutions without thinking it through. When you're an engineer, you know you can build anything. So you're often thinking about, hey, how do I just get started on building this out today? I know this is a bug. I know this is a or a feature request and I have an idea for it. Why don't I just go in and execute on it? Why do I need to spend even a few hours discussing it with a designer or with a product person to figure this out? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's something that we do run into where we have design debt and tech debt, which is just really difficult to undo. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's something that comes up. The second thing that comes up is especially shows up in our visual design where developers, once they've gotten deep into execution of the product, execution of the feature, they might not be sharing their work early enough with the designer to do design QA. Mm -hmm. And they only reveal like the pre-launch version of the feature to the designers. And designers do not have enough time to do design QA. But because the engineer is nearly done with the feature, they just want to push it out, release it. And it gets released with, you know, with a lot of UI bugs, which could have been just caught a lot earlier if there was design QA. So these are definitely top of mind things for me that I've been thinking about. Yeah. And what are you doing or what are your thoughts about mitigating both of those I'm super familiar with, <laughs> those both of those problems. Yeah, so kind of how are you going about mitigating those? So for the first one, I think you need closer collaboration between designers and developers. Today, like I said, the designer to developer ratio isn't as good as it needs to be. Mm. Uh, so developers often feel, I can't go ping the designer because I know he's they're working on a different project. And I know she doesn't have time to work on this. So let me go take a decision right now. If the ratio was better, that would happen less often. The second thing is designers need to understand the development workflow a lot better. In AppSmith's case, every time a developer checks in code, there's a deploy preview that's created. If designers knew where to go look for it and they kept looking at it repeatedly, they could give feedback a lot more often. Mm. They shouldn't wait for developers to come and talk to them. Yeah. The second issue that you talked about, design QA, which is such an important issue. And it's really funny because it it raises its head like over and over again and everybody understands. And then, you know, even like you try to build it into the process, but this or that person doesn't get it or just doesn't understand. So I'm really curious to hear your ideas for kind of mitigating that problem where there isn't a design QA doesn't start early enough. Part of what you talked about before, where if there's this regular like communication between the designer and developer, that's going to help the design QA as well. Just, I think for a developer having more of a presence from the designer on a regular basis, like when I've seen like in a two person, sorry, a two pizza team is Mm -hmm. what they would call it at Amazon and some other places, but where you have a designer who's actually kind of like co-locating with developers, or if they're remote, then they're just, you know, they're online together Mm -hmm. every day. When there's that more of that presence, 
then the developer remembers, oh, hey, or it's just easier, right? You're breaking down the barriers. It's easier to say, hey, don't want to make this assumption. I was going to do this. What do you think? But yeah, so tell me a little bit about what you're thinking about doing to mitigate the design QA issue. So I think in a remote environment, it's it's tougher to have these hallway conversations and water cooler conversations where they keep running into each other. So that's difficult. And you also don't want to overburden people with meetings, with you yeah. know, standing meeting every mm-hmm. few days when it's maybe not necessary. So I, I don't have a great answer there, but one of the things that we've done as a process is every design file that's shared by designers is always on a public channel where engineers are present. And every time engineers share their work, a deploy preview of something that they're working on, it's always, again, on a public channel where designers are, are present. Mm. Uh, it's not happening on DMs because when you do things on DMs, you forget to include people mm-hmm. and yeah. you forget to share knowledge with others and decisions with others. So that's something that we've done as a process. We've also exposed the design process, like the exact steps that a designer is going to follow in a project. That's very well defined and it's exposed and available to to engineers. Mm. Uh, And similarly, the engineering plan is very clearly visible to designers. So they're aware of when should they expect, you know, deploy preview or some work. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that we're doing. But I believe it's a fundamental issue that leaders need to solve and leaders need to practice every single day to succeed. That's the only way to bake this into the culture. So it needs to start with the engineering managers, you know, with the senior product designers and the founders. All of us need to be doing this day in and day out and to be codifying this, describing what we are doing and why we are doing it. That's the bit that I'm trying right now, because I do believe people have the right intentions, but people might not have the systems or the right understanding of why we should be doing it. And if they understand why they should be doing something, it's just a lot easier to practice it. So that's the bit that I'm more focused on. Yeah, yeah. That is, I think we've really covered a lot about how designers and developers work together. What else did you want to talk about regarding designing for developers? One of the interesting things about building the developer experience has been How do you, as a designer, how do you understand a developer's work? Because you're not a developer and it feels like a highly technical thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are a few things that we've been trying to do here at AppSmith. Number one is our designers do customer support where they're talking to developers and trying to unblock them, even if they're not developers. The developer Uh, customer, you mean? The developer customer, yes. Okay. Yeah. So designers are part of the of our support roster. So they do support for one week every few months. Mm, So that's something that we've tried. The other thing, of course, is which I'd mentioned before is to get engineers to just sketch out their ideas. But as a part of it, engineers share screenshots of the products that they use or videos of them using a certain product or doing something. This again exposes designers into their workflow and their understanding. Something that I've been doing personally is I watch a lot of YouTube videos of coding interviews where existing developers are doing, you know, these mock and practice interviews. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of them on YouTube. So I love looking at that because in that hour long interview, you're going to see a developer actually solve a real problem and build something out. 
and during this period you're going to see them you know change windows google for something go back to certain windows describe how they're thinking through the system design mm. and how they're thinking through the coding process and that's something that i've been doing recently to keep myself updated on what the developer experience is like this is something i've been recommending to a few designers in our team but right now yeah. i've been practicing it just to see does it actually help me understand the developer a little bit better mm-hmm. and if it does then maybe in a month or so i'm going to try talking to our other designers and tell them you know this is actually a great way cuz you could just be you know having lunch and you're just watching somebody code and think through something it's really interesting to do that <laughs> to see that so and yeah i mean specifically this is for designers who are designing a product that's going to be used by developers and it sounds like you also do quite a bit of user testing yes so yeah tell us a little bit about that and how you incorporate that testing developers so in some cases we do user research at the start of the project to discover problems and identify what ideas do our users have in other cases user testing happens once we figured out the early prototypes and the early solutions depends on how much context we have into the problem in our case a lot of our user tests especially if it's user research which takes a lot of time we give out like a 50 dollar amazon gift card or in some cases we've even shipped out swag to people who've dedicated time to us so that users don't feel like you know we are constantly pinging them for free research but they're not getting anything in return so we do have a user research budget that we spend on user testing we also use dovetail where we collect and store our some of our sales recordings some of our user testimonials as well as user research content so that's on dovetail and that's a tool that you know we all begin to use and it's been really helpful because you can go back and find ideas from 6 months ago and interviews from 6 months ago instead yeah. of just keeping them in a google drive or you know in a folder somewhere where it's so difficult to find the exact point that you need to go to i like the fact that there's a tool like dovetail that we can rely on yeah and for folks who aren't familiar dovetail is a product that basically is a database for your user research searchable and you can tag it and it's actually highly functional. <laughs> it's high, yeah. it has a lot of features. One quick question that I have is when you're working with developers, this is true for product people and it's also true for designers and people. <laughs> this is true with yeah. people is it's really easy to fall into that mindset where you think I'm the user, I would do it this way and so you know that's the way it should be designed because that's how i would do it or that's how i would use it right and it can be really detrimental to designing a product when you kind of rely on that sort of well this is how i would do it because you're so close to it you know you have to remember you are not the user <laughs> you're way too close um yeah. to know that and so since these are developers who are creating a product for other developers i'm curious if you run into that with you know the developers saying well i'm the user or you know just sort of like coming at it with that perspective yeah absolutely being the user one of the things that i believe is an advantage is if you are the user and you're building something that you would really really want i think that's more advantageous than not but it can be quite damaging because 
you might have only used a deficient solution for a similar problem in the past. Mm. You've not explored all the best solutions out there. You've used a deficient deficient solution and that's the one that you believe is the right thing to do. And that's where it's really important for non-users to be part of that. And that's where I think designers do a great job of asking the right questions, trying to understand the fundamental motivations behind why does somebody like that solution and what's the reason behind it. So that's where designers have to do a lot more work and extract those insights, but also be aware of the fact that the what people say is not necessarily how people behave. You know, in my experience, they've been completely different. You might say something, but you might behave in a totally different way. And that's where I feel designers who've gone through the cycle of doing user research the wrong way and then suffering because of that. And then they've realized, okay, now I actually need to do it in a different way. And I need to rely on the users to understand the motivation of the problems and the problem statements, but pay attention to the solutions that they've suggested, but only as indications for what the solution could be, but Mm -hmm. not actually go on and execute it. In our case, we've certainly made that mistake many, many times because my co-founders are engineers and I also used to code a little bit, but a long time ago. So we've certainly made that mistake of doing deficient executions of ideas, which we had borrowed from another product that we've used. In some cases, it has worked out fine, but in a lot of cases, we're actually having to undo it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that at all in the last two years, we've had to undo a lot of those decisions. And it doesn't feel like we will run out of those mistakes. That's Mm -hmm. the honest truth. It feels like we keep (laughs) doing them over and over again. But at the same time, I do feel overall, most of us are becoming a little more aware of this pitfall and we're trying to address it. Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you so much. As we wrap up, is there anything else that we didn't cover that we missed? No, I think we had a great conversation and I think we delved deep into a lot of things that I'm really passionate about and I'm thinking every day about. So this was great. (laughs) Yeah, this has been fantastic. And for listeners or watchers who want to learn more about you or about your company, AppSmith, where can they do that? They can find me on Twitter. If you search for Abhishek Nayak, you should be able to find my Twitter handle. And our website is at appsmith.com, A-P-P-S-M-I-T-H.com. Awesome. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lee. This is a really interesting chat. And I hope more people believe in design and understand the importance of applying it every day. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with that. Hey, if you enjoyed this slice of UX cake, please share this episode with a friend or a few. You can share it on social media even. It really helps us spread the word and get this free content to more people. You can follow UX Cake on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and get all the episodes and show notes at uxcake.co. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing the UX Cake.